0: Yeah. Five, four, three. Yeah. yeah. Five, four, three. I've actually worked in You're TV alive on Channel ready. 5. I've actually, like seen that do, be well, done in TV. Yeah. One they're very casual. So, okay, guys, so we're going to go in five, four. And the presenter does the thing when they go, welcome <laughs> do back to <laughs> yeah. If you're joining us now, the, have you, do you remember that bit in the trip? My minister Liz trust. Yeah. Do you remember that bit in the trip where they talk about the the way you hear your name on the news? There's, there's the good way and the bad way and the way you don't want. So the good no, way I is- there I remember. So it was about Steve Cougar, So it's like- Oh, I think, So the good way is- the actor and director, Steve Coogan has, and that sounds nice. I mean, it's yeah. like probably open like a charity center or something. Actor Act um, and director. No, the, the, the sad one is, the actor and director, Steve Coogan. Right? Yeah. The one you don't want is, the actor and director, Steve Coogan. All of a sudden inquisitive. Yeah. It's yeah. like, well, why that did they have that arrested. career in the first yeah. place? The actor, this man director. was an actor yeah. and director? Yeah. Steve Coogan. Actually, as far as I'm aware, Secret Coogan hasn't directed anything. Yeah, I was, was going to say comedian. comedian uh, yeah, but sure. it's still, it's the it's the inquisitive The you know when you hear yeah. it, you know there's, it sets the tone immediately for the story. It's the arrogance that like the newsreader kind of knew all along. Yeah, that like actor and direct yeah. disgraced producer now Hollywood presenter himself yeah. wants to do this. Yeah. Now he said that after having joined the Scientology you've church, an, you sound like uh, you've gone the intonation of Christopher Walken. You know. Now, now, having joined the now, having joined the anthology actor, Steve Coogan, Kool- is crazy. <laughs> I love uh, this time with um, Alan oh. Partridge. It's oh. so good. He, I, I actually like marvel at his but performance. Oh, the the jokes are so quick in that show, but on every single level, you have the scripted jokes. Yes, you have the visual jokes. You have the um, performance jokes. That yeah, he's, obviously, I know it's all scripted, but like. There's so many different layers to what's happening on screen one time. It's it's like I've watched uh, some of those episodes through like three times, and yeah. I still get new stuff out of it. It's yeah. like when like when you see I'm like dodgeball for the first time, like mm. oh, there's all these jokes I never saw. But that is like fine tooth yeah. comb. There's jokes in everything I never saw. My yeah. favorite one is his relationship with that reporter who never accepts anything. Yeah, yeah, he says yeah. Lonnie, true. Lonnie, Lonnie the <laughs> player, yeah, so good. My brother pointed that one that I I really liked, which is. Um, Again, yeah, very so quick and you'll miss it. He's at the digi yeah. board with si, you know Simon Denton. Yeah, <laughs> and he's like, um, oh, um, talking about like heroes, that how like old people are heroes. And it's like, yeah, yeah. Um, we've got this one from uh, London. No one ever talks about uh, uh, like Steve Woodward from uh, from Putney. Yeah, who um, sheltered sixteen women, sixteen Jewish women in his in his basement in Putney for for ten, for five years during the war. And then it was like, <laughs> then Anna like, yeah. In Putney, and you can tell he's thinking like that didn't sound right at all. It's like completely dodgy. <laughs> I've completely butchered that joke, obviously, because it's like we just said, it's no, engineered and yeah. written perfectly, and not to be rehashed by me. How are you doing? I'm fine. I have a I have a new one for us, oh, yeah. which is like a new uh, way to annoy people at the cinema, which I never experienced before. You know those digital. Casio watches that on the hour every hour go. Deep, deep. Yep, I've had that. I don't know who in their right mind, since the invention of the smartphone, needs to have a watch that tells you on the hour every yeah. hour. Hello, yeah. it's it's nine o'clock. So it's like an early morning screening of a film, mm. and it was like an eight thirty start. Mm. So at nine o'clock, I hear the woman next to me. Did and I'm like, Oh no, she was next to you. She's literally next to me, and I check my watch. I'm like, It's nine o'clock. That means. In an hour, that's going to yeah, go up yeah, yeah, again, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then I spent the entire film thinking it's going to go, it's going to go, and then at ten o'clock, dude, dude, like, "Fuck You sake. know what? 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 What do you need? What, who wants that? What? What? What are you doing? That's so important that you need to know when the hour starts. Yeah, and also like our world is not like our, measure, our world is measured enough. It, no one, yeah. no one is going. I tell you what, we need to measure everything a little bit more. It's I need to know exactly scheduled on the hour. Like, does that happen all night? Do you wait or watch it? I just don't get it. I, I'm annoyed when people's phones go off loudly now. I'm like, we've moved past that. Phones yeah. shouldn't really ring. No, yeah. I, it's always, actually I always have my phone for phone yeah. My dad's phone is on the louder oh. setting and it's got the old phone ringtone. Do you know what I don't like is when people... Just have just stopped having phone calls to their ear, they just have them in front of them, like, oh, they're, on, like yeah. they're on the apprentice. And it's the yeah. speaker, <laughs> yeah. hey, what do you want for dinner? Your sub team leader, Craig. <laughs> I, I, just, I just thought we could get some chicken or something. Yeah, but what do you think? Why, what? and like, you know, everyone Five can people hear in Why, yeah. I, I hate that. And the, the greatest sin of all is, is public FaceTime. Uh, not okay, yeah. What yeah. No, I, I think the rule with headphones. It's okay. The rule is always, with phone calls, voice notes, is that you can't talk louder than the volume if you were talking to someone in person next yeah. to you. So as soon as you're like, hi, that that all of a sudden now it's offensive, mm. but it can't go louder than how I would But also it's speak the fact that you, you can't hear the opposite end of the conversation. You've just got this person going, hi. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. No, I told him he shouldn't have done it. Yeah. Well, tell him to put it down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it'll clear up in a few days. He can call the police. They're not going to do anything. <laughs> anyway. Um... What's been happening then? So um, I went to Secret Cinema again last night. Yes, how um, was it? You know me, I, li- I like to go. We talked about it before early this year when I went to Dirty Dancing. So I went to Guardians of the Galaxy yesterday. Nice. Which is not one I would typically go for. Secret Cinema mm. have, have, have sort of slowly moved quite mainstream recently. Okay. And I was hoping they would eventually go back to doing the cool films that they used to, like, yeah. like Blade Runner and, you know, Moulin Rouge, you little uh, Back Film to Buffet, the Future. Like, oh, well, of course, this <laughs> yeah, is like the yeah, old ones that used to but you know it was a present and i went and we did have a great time it was Mm -hmm. fantastic but uh in preparing to watch it blue uh, face paint uh, all over your body uh, (laughs) no (laughs) i actually green uh, a gamora green no no i was it was i was just like a generic ravager it was actually very minimal costume didn't he's very good no but uh in 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 the run-up to going we watched guardians one again, right which i've always really liked wait was it not got was it did you not see guardians oh sorry for this one for some reason uh they it was guardians two and Ah, there was two types of tickets you could buy film and event or just event and we bought just event because we're less keen on guardians two yeah um which is fine and also yeah and for that reason we just went for the event right but we thought get us in the mood let's watch guardians one again Mm -hmm. and which we did and that's probably the fourth or fifth time i've seen it wow okay and all positive stuff. Yeah. I, I was just reminded that that film just really works. Just mm. absolutely. And, and as its own standalone thing, it's got so much happening in it. so much fun. I uh, love that prison break scene. Yeah. That's when the film really builds and you, I think you're in and you get, it, you're you there with the comic timing and when they're flying out, yeah. I feel like I was like, God, I'm really enjoying this film. And I think it, it's a testament to a film that on fourth, fifth viewing, that I can still get as much out of it and still enjoy it. Yeah. It's, it's, just, it's working really well. It 2014 it came out. That's I'm the like thing. That. Yeah. that was the first film I ever went to, see, to the cinema to see on my own. Oh, okay. and I remember right. really like in the middle of the day in the summer and I remember thinking and there was that thing that summer of like everyone had seen it and was like oh everyone was really surprised I feel like I've seen a true blockbuster summer yeah. film and everyone was just in a great mood about it but what I also noticed was I know we talk about Marvel a bit and we trash them a little bit you know, sorry not, but we've discussed them we've been a bit cynical we have it? been a bit cynical recently but the thing is what I realised in Guardians 1 is they do so many things that we now associate as being bad things that Marvel do Oh, uh, so like for example the um that was a very strange noise. We just was, heard that, was that that I, I looked that way, and you looked that way. That like a cockroach or something. <laughs> <laughs> Horrifying. Let me finish. The The point borrowers point. are here. <laughs> what I realize is that they that the film does things well that we now associate that Marvel do that does badly. So, for example, all the pop, there's loads of pop culture references in it, right? As, as you imagine, Star Lord making those things, but it makes sense within the film because it is grounded in his character. So it reminds you, it reinforces the fact that he's from Earth. He's like an '80s time capsule. Exa- yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It, every time he says a pop culture reference it reminds me that he was taken from earth and he's not of this what he's neither he's been uh stranded he's no longer with his home planet so he's been kind of ripped away from that but also he's he is our surrogate to mm-hmm. this world around him it's, it's really effective um and you know the 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 pots the, the the moments of humor like that it just works very well whereas now when you think of pop culture and, and marvel and the quips and everything it's so like tiresome and i just did that just, I just happen comedy style yeah i just i just thought that was an interesting thing that for, you know, eight years ago when that film came out, it still works very well. But now that it's like that style has been dragged through the mud. How does the how does Lee Pace as a villain hold up in that? I like you know me I like Lee Pace yeah and I, think Ronan, I think Ronan's an effective villain, generic and he, like yeah. you know he, he only lasts one film, but he really commits. That's what I like. Lee Pace, I so never found him, him that good. I thought this is just a bit of a boring. He just went oh we need a villain by the way yeah he's blue be. and he's Ronan and he's got yeah. a hammer. But he um, but he, he, he needed to be a comedic foil for the dance off to save the universe. He needed yeah. to be like the very proper I'm the he, well, villain. Exactly, yeah, you need yeah. to have a serious villain. You can't have a jokey villain. Um, no, yeah. So, so if I it worked. It all it all works mm. that film. So, hats off to it. Anyway, yeah, it was, it was fun. The we are Groot. Yeah, yeah, you know it gets you, yeah. uh, the, and you're like, oh, sneaks he's... off on you that and, line, and, doesn't I, it? I remember when I when I went to see it <laughs> at the end when the credits was rolling, were, were rolling there was a couple next to me and the the girl was like, she was like sniffling when I wiped her eyes. She was like, I can't believe I'm crying over a raccoon, crying over a twig. <laughs> There's the bit, you know, after the crash where like <laughs> yeah. Rockets crying over the twig. He's like, I was mean to him. I called him and a twig. Yeah. And um, yeah, anyway. So forget you- that that's Bradley Cooper as well. Yeah. If you get that, like, a, a number of times Bradley Cooper has gone, yeah, I guess I'll spend a week in an ADR booth Easiest doing... he'll ever make. Oh, God, yeah. What do you reckon he gets? Million? Mm, I don't know. I don't... Less? Um, I don't know. Half a mil? I t- Who knows what his paycheck is like? But he just has to go in and be like, ah, a Quill! That doesn't sound like him at all. No, it doesn't. <laughs> so it must be harder than that, because yeah. not anyone could do it. <laughs> no one could do it. Rabbit, <laughs> rabbit, all right, Quill, you're gonna do this. It's slightly like this. Yeah. What? Well, what do you still have the orb for? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Anyway, moving on. It was, it was nice, and I'm really glad we all watched it again. And Secret Cinema was fun. So, George, un- unbeknownst to our listeners and viewers, uh, you and I weren't recording last week we actually did two episodes last week and we had a week out and um, there was a film that came out and it was the number one film on Netflix for that week until I think Dharma has since replaced it on the on the homepage and uh, we had previewed this film Blonde yeah. Uh, starring Anaday Armas mm-hmm. that you and I, I think, a couple of months ago when the trailer came out were kind of interested in seeing. Yes. And it, I think we talked about it when we did the, the Oscars like ra- ra- run-up or like the things that were in maybe. Yes, things are in contention. Yes, things that are in contention. It's directed by Andrew Dominic, and it's based on the novel by Joyce Carol Oates mm-hmm. of the same name, which is apparently a huge, close to 1,800-pager, wow. uh, which I've not read. And um, I think stylistically it kind of stood out to us as being this like very larger than life, this trailer. I think it was a, a really cool trailer mm. for a sure, short, which I'm not, I can't remember if it made it into the movie, which was Anna de Armas staring into her own reflection as mm. as Marilyn and then like the Marilyn in the mirror, like screaming and then like her mm, version yeah. not. And we were both really intrigued by it. We saw sort of, you know, echoes of Spencer, which came out mm. this year and um, I think it's safe to say that this film has come out to very mixed reviews. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I remember you also telling me, oh, by the way, it's sort of almost a three hour film, to which I was like, okay, that changes my, you know, I've talked a lot about length Mm -hmm. on this podcast. That kind of changes my impression of how I'm going to go into this, but I'm going to try not to think too much about what other people think. But we've both since since sat down and watched it. Uh, George, what did you think of Blonde? Um, I think blonde is spectacularly bad <laughs> and I use those words because spectacle is really the only thing that has going for it I think Anna de Armas does a very very committed performance definitely um, that really puts her through the full range of emotions they really make her work in this and, and toil um, I think it's got a fantastic score by Nick Cave yep. and Warren Ellis like really sensational that makes you just want to listen to it on its own it looks great. One of the best looking films I, One of the I've best, seen scenes.: absolutely. absolutely. It's immaculate. But, you know, you and I don't like to be negative about films. Mm. We really don't enjoy like picking over and, and taking films down. But I think it's misjudged, mishandled and really ultimately quite crass. I was, su- I was surprised yeah. by like what ha- that, that was what it chose to use as its representation mm. of Marilyn Monroe. I started questioning, I was like, what do I know about Marilyn Monroe? Right. So it felt like an, you know, an unfair story, but I'll, sorry, sure, I'll let so you well, it's okay. So just taking back, so Andrew Dominic, who's this director who has made some interesting work before, he, he kind of stood out with this film he made called The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, which came out in 2007 with Brad Pitt and Casey Affleck. And that was quite well regarded. He then made Killing Them Softly with Brad Pitt. Um, but he's been trying to make Blonde for about 10 years, uh, over, no, since 2010. They first announced it in 2010, and it was going to be Naomi Watts playing Marilyn Monroe. Yes, I remember that. And then in 2014, it was going to be Jessica Chastain playing Marilyn Monroe. And it was clearly, he said for a long time, I want to do it my way. I want to do it with my vision. And um, I can't get the financing to, you know, without compromising that vision. Yeah. As we say, it's based on this novel. So it's a fictionalized version of Marilyn, Marilyn yes. Monroe's life. Um, and he said, I wanted to tell this sort of, he, he's fascinated with the icon of Marilyn Monroe and wanted to weave this sort of dark fairy tale that, um, sees her in a different light. And, you know, we do see her in a different light in this film, and I, I, through Anna de Amos's performance, like I said, which is very committed, but I will I'll probably say ultimately wasted in this film, sadly. Um, and this is not your conventional biopic at all. No. Um, the thing is, if you if you're going down the dark fairy tale route, and when we just mentioned Spencer there, but when you the the obvious comparison with taking a famous true life figure and making sort of like a fairy tale um, sort of mythical take on it is you are putting yourself next to Spencer and Jackie, the two Pablo Loren films which have done that, right? Mm-hmm. But what is different with Marilyn, um, blonde rather, and Spencer and Jackie is that. Spencer and Jackie very, very successfully achieves that fairy tale uh, take. It makes sense within the world of those films, sure. particularly with Spencer, because it, it, you are dealing with royalty and somebody, a princess, being stuck in a castle. Um, but with, with Jackie and Spencer as well, you have a, have films that ultimately do uh, examine, deconstruct, also, and kind of celebrate their central people. So, although you know. Um, Diana in Spencer is, 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 is uh, frustrating as well as frustrated. She is also, there is a, a sense that you are, she has her own agency and there is something quite empowering about it, especially, particularly like the end of Spencer. And the same with Jackie, like the whole point of Jackie is that uh, Jackie Kennedy played by Natalie Portman is getting squeezed out, but she's fighting for her role. And there is something kind of like, oh, I get why we're doing this. Blonde, on the other hand, is just frankly quite exploitative. I think it really mishandles the traumas that happen in Marilyn Monroe's life, there's a it begins incredibly darkly, it's really, dark. I really all the way through. It's incredibly what dark, part of dark it is film. Not. It, but it begins with Marilyn as a child with her mother who is abusive and horrible and, and sort of mentally unhinged, men, as well. mentally unhinged. And you have these this thing, I think it's really mishandled. You can take you can tell these traumas, but like there's a bit where Marilyn's mother puts her in a hot hot bath and tries to drown her. Like right, this happens 10 minutes in so it's not too much of a spoiler. And which is a horrible thing to, to 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 feature, but the way it's filmed is in like slow motion of Marilyn being dunked underneath and then the music comes in and then the narration comes and it's almost weirdly aestheticized and like commodified this really horrible thing. And that happens a few times. There there are there are some really horrific things that happen to Marilyn throughout her life that is presented by dominic in a really really strange, um, strange and they're both naked in that bro- scene which i feel like you're trying to add an extra yeah. element of spectacle and, <coughs> and uh, not gruesomeness but you're trying to almost create this you're using yeah. n- nudity to have this like yeah. extra shocking fact for something unrelated to it yes right and and also for, for a film that wants to spend three hours on its subject um, it it it's using all these devices that really hold you at a distance. So the music, like I said, by Nick Cave it's and Warren beautiful. Ellis, absolutely absolutely fantastic enough to but, keep you going for the whole three But incredibly hours. strange and distancing. It's almost science yeah. fiction esque, isn't it? And there's the scene at the beginning where after after that scene happens, or just before I think with the with the drowning where. Um, her mother drives them up into a wildfire that's happening in the Hollywood Hills, right? And the way it's shot is, it's like an alien spacecraft going into foreign lands, which I guess is intentional, but it's completely at odds with making you really um, engage and relate. I mean... And this this happens again and again, which is for an unforgiving three hours. I think it's unforgivable that runtime. If if it was ninety minutes, it would be tedious. But at three hours, it is just torturous. And you have moments, for example, where I think I can say this again. I don't think it's too much of a spoiler because this happens about twenty five minutes in. It suddenly cuts to Marilyn's experience in Hollywood, and she has this experience where she goes to see an agent, and she's raped. Yeah, and it's the way it's cut and edited. I just I remember th- feeling that's not that's not handled right. I don't feel comfortable about the way that that trauma and there's another one that comes almost it, it, it it's gone as soon as it happens with someone who's not obviously j f k but who's heavily <sighs> you know yeah, infer, inferred to be jeff that's, the, that's yeah. not, he's not named as JSK, JFK no but, yeah. no but like anyone with yeah, who's been brain. alive yeah. For, yeah. Who's anyone old, older than 10 <laughs> could go that not anyone uh, <laughs> tends to be watching this but you, you get the sense it's like it's usually talking about the length which you know I don't want to be the dead horse I was talking about you know legs really need, yeah. need to justify itself but you know it, as dark as that opening was I still couldn't see the forest for the trees what this film was yet yeah. it was definitely as the film went on that I think I started to lose my patience yeah, with it totally. the way which scenes ca- came and went, and I couldn't necessarily see what, what they were contributing yeah. towards and that becomes more evident that it's not contributing towards that much towards the end but I actually think that length forced me to become quite tired with the film mm. and it actually started to have me lose empathy yes. for this character when you you want me to feel really empathetic mm. for her and in this really sad dark film yeah. you've actually got me rolling my eyes for a figure I meant to be like absolutely distraught over mm. um, and I just think it's so it's so ironic for this film to be all about the image and the silhouette yeah. and the icon of Marilyn Monroe mm. and the use of her body. Like she, the whole film, she never has control over her body, whether mm. it's like being abused yes. in the beginning by her mother, whether it's like being uh, sexually assaulted yeah. by someone else, the image rights of what she what yeah. she does, her husband's control. like The whole thing is about control of her body. But then you, and then think about how she's reduced to this yeah. like physicality, but the film is, it itself doing that? Yeah. is in itself doing that. And I don't think in a way that is um, like purposeful. Yeah. And I think that the, the, the way in which it's shot, and you know, time passes through this mm. film, but also seemingly not at all yeah. because scenes don't ever really definitively end that much. Sometimes mm. they just bleed into the next. Yeah. So it's not like you see... Nineteen fifty six. Like yes, Welcome to yeah. it. Not, that'll be too late, but like it's not like it goes through mm. the years and you can almost like uh, almost chapter up this mm. film and sort of get a sense of where you are. It's very much like, no no, I'm gonna take you through my own uh, beautifully we with woven story. Mm. It just meant that I I never really got a sense of, of why it was doing that and what I was meant to be doing with it. Yeah, um, I, yeah. beautiful sequences. Like there is yeah, even an incredibly yeah. uh, sex scene, which was like cut across with a waterfall. Mm. I was like, this well, is, just, I've not seen anything like that, it. That, that, that's it. So there's that. There, I was going to bring that bit, bit up. There's a point. So the in, this is at the end of the first hour the first hour yeah. i could i was really trying to get with it yeah same second hour was patient setting. And by the third hour i was like this film is over for me this yeah. film is, I've, I've, it's completely lost me so at the end of the first hour she has this extended scene with uh charlie, Tra- charlie Tra- chapman jr and edward g robertson jr um where they have a threesome and it's you know full nudity and there's yeah. a bit where marilyn like gazes at herself completely naked in the in the mirror, and it's all about like reclaiming your own sexual identity, I guess. I guess. And she's got this again; it's just uncomfortable. She's she's being she's having sex on this on on this bed, and the edge of the bed then becomes Niagara Falls, and then then they fade out. And what it it, technically, I mean, technically looks like, beautiful. But I was like, I remember thinking, what is that shot doing in this scene? No, Yeah, because in a way, uncomfortably, it's like you've got something that's an incredibly uh, important event in her life, and I feel like it almost comes across as slightly egotistical on the director's part, dare I say, male egotistical, mm-hmm. to be like, oh, I'm going to put in this great image. Yeah, whatever, I don't care what's happening in the scene, let's just put in this great transition. And the thing is, I, I don't know whether this is a, a relevant point of argument, but I think it, it's worth discussing is that. I was As the film dragged on and on, I thought, why is this made by a man? And why is this not written by a man, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I know that's a very binary look at things, but what I, I say that because there there are experiences that, Marilyn, the character, goes through in this film spec- that, that, that are traumatic, specific to the female experience, right? Yeah. Abortion, sexual assault, domestic violence, sexism in the industry. And I wouldn't normally level that at a film, but when I was watching it, I was just like, this is clearly made by someone who does not, is not connecting with those issues, which clearly affected Marilyn. They're presenting the issues, but like they're not actually understanding the importance mm-hmm. of that, because as you said, ironically, it slips into doing the very, almost victimizing um and and and, and controlling Mm -hmm. in the way that the the characters are in the film it felt weirdly (laughs) ill disciplined from a film from a filmmaker who i don't think uh would be like it felt Mm. like almost uh like like student like studenty level of of depth in in a concept there is there is now i didn't realize when i was watching it but now the most talked about scene which is the most i think rubbish student uh scene which is the talking fetus scene do you remember that yeah So there's this, um, uh, I mean, again, I'm sorry, we are straying into slight spoiler territory, but you can't really spoil it because- Obviously we know what happens to Marilyn Monroe. and like you say, scenes just sort of begin and end. You can't say, oh, in the it third out. It's, like, it's like it's like so all of a sudden you're looking at a picture of her face and her face warms into like the venal vein structure of her own uterus. Yeah. Which a baby is then right. there, which then warps like the whole film yeah. kind of. I so, know scenes obviously do end, but it just goes and goes. So so she she's she's had an abortion earlier in the film and she's now uh um pregnant with her second uh child, and she's in the garden, like again, beautifully shot, trimming like the rose bushes. Oh. And she sort of puts her hand to her stomach, and the fetus talks to her with a this voiceover that goes like, "You're not going to kill me again, are you?" Yeah. She's like, "No, no, I I didn't do that before." You know that, that, that was that was the other. This the is other student one. is insulting. I'd say this is GCSE yeah. level yeah. Yeah. drama. Yeah, it, f- it did. It felt like freeze. Yeah. How do we feel about, about abortion? Yeah. yeah. Children in the womb. Yeah. Uh, it was. I yeah. was just like, is this a? Is this a? Pro-life stance we're taking in this uh, film, I, I couldn't tell. It, um, it was just so out of place, and 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 I, I almost feel bad because like we this was a three-hour film, and we yeah. could tear apart a lot of scenes. You yeah. know, and we could sit here and go, "Why was why?" why? Look, think about yeah. that moment and how bad it was. But I, you know, what I thought coming out of this after I sat through three hours is that there's probably loads that we haven't seen, and I bet somewhere there is an amazing, completely different cut of this film yes. that you could make because there's so many great elements to it. You could easily go for a completely yeah. different. I look think feel. it looked like a film. You know, I said, sorry, you know I said that Andrew Dominic had been trying to make it for 12 years. Yeah. It looked like the film of some... Someone sorry, it. sirens on iron. <laughs> it looked like uh, a film that had been kept in someone's head for 12 years. He's mm. had that film too long in his own yeah. mind and has been allowed to have too much control over it. And um, you kind of get to the end the and think, I either a want a better version of that, or mm. B, just leave her alone. It's a sad story. It's really tragic. And I saw, obviously, an Instagram post that point out much more positive... ...elements of Marilyn's life... ...that this film fails to mention. Um, I will say that... Um, Adrian Brody... As a very brief but quite good turn yep. as Arthur Miller, oh, or not thing. named as Arthur Miller, I but definitely know, but... meant to be Arthur Miller. That's another thing that's kind of irritating. Like, no one's ever named to be the person they are But yeah, they we were, all, like, we're all here talking about who that is. Yeah. So do not, why not just have the courage to be like, this is Arthur Miller. Yeah, we all this know is it's is Arthur, Arthur Miller. And and he's, he's, he's brilliant in it. He comes way too late in the film for it to be saved. Yeah. Like I was like, I'm, I'm completely out of this film already, but... Also, I made the comparison to Jackie earlier. The actor they get to play JFK, who's not JFK, but is JFK, is the same actor they got to play JFK in Jackie. how interesting. And I was like, you cheap skate, Andrew Dominic. You just get the guy who does JFK, yeah. Um... I'm trying to think of if there's any more extractable positives we can say. I, I just, I actually feel sad for Ana de Armas because she, her performance is so good, yeah, and and like I said, so committed. She, there's not a flicker of doubt in her mind. She really is committed to this, but it's wasted. It's wasted in a film that I, I would be surprised if she even gets nominated because, like, w- w- uh, I, what Academy member is going to sit through that for three hours? And, and it's not just that it's long; it's messy and it's strange and it's ill-conceived. Yeah, I think. Ana de Armas is fantastic in it. And I think, as I said, there is surely a cut of that film where I think she, like we're filled with great yeah. stuff where I'm not as irritated. Again, like I felt unempathetic towards her at the end. Yeah, and Anna de Armas is an actor who I'm like always looking forward to seeing in things now. Mm-hmm. Like she stole the show in No Time to Die mm-hmm. and has charm and is talented and is versatile. But um there just I feel I feel actually a bit almost like I've seen far too much of Anna de Armas <laughs> after having seen that. I feel almost yeah. like I'm a bit done with seeing Anna de yeah. Armas, which is a shame because I don't think it's her fault. There are some very, very vivid and striking imagery. Like, you, you know, when you say you've seen... T- yeah, yeah. Um, I just think also that's come to my mind is that uh, Mark Kermode once told this story. I think it was about Bill Forsyth, right? Who's the director. Mm. And that he had made this film. I'm sorry if I'm like, uh, the point is valid for this anecdote, whether or not it's true or not is that he had been trying to make this film, I think with Jack Nicholson in the 80s, and, it, and it, it was like an epic, and it kind of went through different time periods, a little bit of a period piece, and it became increasingly bloated, increasingly long, and, and, and it was ultimately a, a, a disaster, completely bombed, and, and then he went away and didn't make a film for a while. And I think years later, Mark Comed was interviewing him, and he said, you know, what happened with that? What happened with that film? What, what was going on there? I think Bill, Bill Forsyth went, Sigh. you know... Maybe I should have just written a poem. <laughs> and I kind of feel about that with Blonde. I'm like, I'm watching- I'm Get like, creative juices did, out. I was like, maybe the longer you write this and the longer you make this film, the longer you've worked on this, the worse it gets. It's maybe sort of if you made a three minute video, even a music video or so, or, or written a poem, it would have been more interesting. And you know, Cause you know why? Cause I was watching it and I just thought, I'm just going to go listen to Candle in the Wind. That does this much better. You know, um, you know when you were at school and you would have a piece of blue tack in your pocket at the beginning of the day, and you would be fiddling with it all day, yeah. constantly playing, making different things, different shapes, rolling yeah. it out, doing this. And at the end of the day, you look at that piece of blue tack, and it's got lint from your pocket, yeah. gross pencil sharpenings in it, like <laughs> yeah. lead things. You're like, I've just been moving and morphing this thing yeah. around to the point where it's just absolutely ruined <laughs> with my fingerprints. I need to just throw it away. That's my metaphor. There you <laughs> for this. go. So for this look, film. If you've seen Blonde and you completely disagree with us, mm. let us know. Or if you agree with us, we'd love to hear other people's takes because even though it was number one on Netflix, I'm like, I really want to know who, like us, has taken the challenge and tried to watch all three hours I about. take the number one on Netflix yes. statement with a huge pinch of salt because there is a phenomenon, which is it was on the Netflix homepage and therefore it is number one. Got it. Um, I, don't get me wrong, I think it, it's it, a lot of people were very interested in this film, big director, big actor, but um, I don't hear anecdotally that many people have seen it. I can't imagine a lot of people would have started it and stuck with it all oh, the way yes, through definitely. after they sort of get a sense of the tone. And the, it's very yeah. dark. I saw tweets saying, did watch the first 15 minutes and I have to switch off. Yeah, like, I think that will just happen. A lot of people mm. won't watch it. Because um, I think there is this thing right now where whatever is on the homepage everyone is talking about it regardless right. of if or not it's good everyone is talking about the dharma show right, right now yeah. and every time i ask someone is it good because i want to know like is it worth my time should i talk about on this podcast and every single person that has seen it has gone um it's uh, not really but i've watched it all the way through and it just has that sense where like, A, oh. it's, ne- it's the Netflix brand of like serial killer, murder, tease out the info based on a true story. Yeah. And it's just like presented to you there, big blue, your eyes, I don't, go for it. I, don't, I have no inclination to watch Dharma. No. Because- No one sold me on it, but everyone's- I know about seen Jeffrey it. Dharma. I've, I've read up on it. Horrific. Yeah. Absolutely horrible. I believe it. I don't, yeah, I, I believe it happened. I know It happened i know no story. I don't need to watch. I need to spend 8 hours of my week watching that. If no one's telling me the owner this is like told in a really compelling yeah. new exciting innovative way, I'd be like, okay. But the fact that I don't think it is based on what everyone's told me, I'm not going to because there's sink a... hours into it. Yeah, anyway. Um there we are. That's Blonde. Slightly downbeat. But you can write in your opinions to hello at that. Ho- you can write in okay. your thoughts, questions, I just <laughs> Let me try. You, it me. Write it you, into a- <laughs> you can write into hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. Thank you. So, James, you sat down and watched This England, didn't you? Yeah, I'll do this quickly. Um, I've said a few times on this show that I think even if the subject matter of a piece of art is not necessarily enjoyable to consume, or if it's quite a challenging subject matter, you shouldn't shy away from it because sometimes like, that's the point, and you should right. sometimes engage with something that makes you uncomfortable, or sometimes not something you really want to engage with. This is the exception. <laughs> <laughs> this England is uh, starring Kenneth Branagh, and it's Michael Winterbottom's uh, produced and uh, written series – all about the events in specifically in the UK going from December 2019 through to April, May of 2020. So it basically covers the outbreak of COVID and the government's response and, you know, announcing the the lockdown of COVID. And um, I was quite interested in it because Kenneth Branagh stars as an uncanny boris johnson and one of the best things about it is kenneth brannett is completely lost in the best way into boris johnson Mm. he's got a sort of fat suit and prosthetic on the prosthetic works but it has a little bit of a michael myers from halloween effect (laughs) like it's a little Uh, bit uh, too uh, rubbery. but anyway he's fantastic in it and it's this uh very realistic grounded dry um there's a there's very little um drama and spectacle added to it it's almost documentary like and matter of fact of what happened and i remember my girlfriend caught me watching this and she was like oh this is a bit interesting she's like but you look on your your face is really like you look really affected (laughs) and my face was just this mixture of like sadness and despair crossed with borderline ptsd Mm. having to relive the the era of what we all know was like realizing what covid was in the first lockdown and um, I just found it uh, really difficult to go through and re-remind myself yeah. of that period for obvious reasons. And you know, I'm not trying to say that I had the hardest time during lockdown, but just like, sort of what we went through mm. as a country. And um, th- what what this film ultimately, uh, sorry, what this series, it's six episodes, ultimately fails to do is shed any new info on or give a new perspective to something I didn't know already. It, um, it unfortunately is both too soon right. and out of date at the same time. Ah. Because there are events that uh, are covered in this period... ...which since this show has been filmed... ...we now know new information about that so like things relating to party gate which was not at all addressed which i now think in the series you, in the series not word. at all addressed it was a, there was a word at the end of the series which they mentioned which to be honest like for me now completely reframes yes, the ways yeah, in totally. which decisions were made and it's one of like the great hypocrisies that happened yeah. in in like in the, the uk government's handling of the crisis and then the dominic cummings going to barnard castle yeah. drama and Dominic Conway is one of my favourite characters at this because he's just quite like cynical and jaded. But like that whole saga, which we now know, well, he, he it was a lot of he said, she said. But he eventually came out to say that the reason that he left to go to Barnard Castle was because his wife was be- receiving death threats and he wanted to get them out. It's all very complicated. And again, like just you're frowning as you look at me because you're just remembering like this yeah. very he said, she said uh, like politics, and. Um, I just I just feel like it's completely misplaced. The fact that already in the period since it's come out, I can go, that is now a bad representation of what huh. happened in this show. I just think is a bit of a shame. Mm. The dust has not settled on this issue for you to make a definitive impression mm. of- on what happened. I'm being very negative, as a te- technically, as yeah. a drama, really well acted, mm. really well told. Yeah, I think there were, some, there were some good scenes that happened with the, the like, disgraceful handling of care homes. And, and it showed these real human stories that happened to people, and what most likely would have happened to actual people and why the, you know, the neglect of giving proper PPE to people on the, mm. the, the way they didn't test properly, mm. I think it's really sad. But six episodes, no. Yeah. I didn't need it. Maybe a what an hour, and a half TV film could an hour and a half TV film could have done it. An hour and a half TV film could have done it. It's as I said, it was it was out of date and um, and too soon. soon at the same time, which huh. I think is kind of kind you, of a shame. You you yeah. I I'm gonna continue to not watch I it. I can recommend no one to watch it, despite it being quite a well-made drama. Being well-made is. I hate to say it's, it's not really a gold standard. But like, no, no. I, I see what you mean. So, yeah. Some things been like, oh, it's, it's got very high budget talent in it. It's got a high budget. It looks fantastic. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's almost a so point. Almost like, I think you're right. Yeah, most TV- are We expect oh, that of TV now. Um, you need to be doing more. Okay thanks to that, I don't want to relieve 2020. I saw the trailer and I thought, no. Also, Maybe 10 years' time. Th- this is why I said uh, the crown yeah. shouldn't go up to present day. Because, yeah. as you say, there is stuff in that that will be too soon and would have ch- dated. This could be a point that uh, applies to people depending on their, you know, political, political stance. I'm not going to sort of, you know, make a grand statement about it, but I actually found it oddly sympathetic towards the likes of Man- Matt Hancock and Boris Johnson, mm. and it shows Boris Johnson—you know—in his time in t- Number Ten, like off duty, and him struggling right. with the decisions that he's making. Currently and right. I'm almost wondering why show this side of it. Is are you trying to infer? That, like, there's actually a human being behind all these decisions, but like, so much of the series is yeah. all about showing that if they had acted sooner, we would have saved countless lives. Like, there's this moment where they're having to sit, making decisions with Chris Whitty and Patrick Valance, who are like the chief medical officers, who are saying, um, Oh, you know, if we if we if we lock down now, we can maybe only have 10,000 lives dead, versus if we don't, it'll be 100,000 lives dead. But I think right. we now know that in the UK, we've lost 200,000 people yeah. to COVID, so I'm almost like the, the, what what's what's the point of this? What what are you trying to infer? Are you trying to really like mm. ridicule the people who are in charge? Or are you trying to show that there are like human beings behind all of these decisions that are struggling to find the answer? I don't know why it was there. Shame. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Don't watch it. I'm sorry, don't watch it. Let's talk about something else. Let's go through some of the emails that we got this week. As always, we absolutely love hearing your emails. And yes. you can send in your thoughts, your questions, and your concerns to hello at popkitchenpodcast.com, just like Mike did. Mike writes in and says, Hello, gents. Long time listener, first time caller, which I know he's too loud a radio reference. Like the very first we time don't call. have a. Hey, what's, what's your question? It would be cool to do a live <laughs> uh, thing. I've always wondered why the movies have uh, the, the, the popcorn. I'd love to do that. How about those in? nuts on airplanes? Huh? What's the deal? <laughs> Like a, like a Fraser kind of radio thing. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, Craig, you're on live. Craig, yeah. what's your question? I just want to say, I just want to say, your, your last caller had no idea. Or the sad thing is, actually, that's just more LBC you now. I don't know, it? it's the five life. Well, I don't know what Venga's doing. He's, he's the yeah. biggest fool yeah. in Manchester. Pugging's in. Yeah. Why is he not playing Greenish? Yeah. Uh, Long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> Thank you. i <I'm- laughs> I have many questions to ask you guys, but I will lead with this one first. Now that the dust has settled on the Daniel Craig era of Bond, at brackets, an ending I'm still not 100% sold on. Okay. What do you feel about the ending of No Time to Die? I, I like it. That oh, was fine. Yeah, uh, no, no, I like I like they. The, he that he had time to die. <laughs> yeah, he did. It was time to <laughs> it die. It was time. They gave it a good 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, The main topic that crops up in my office whenever films are brought up is who will be the next James Bond? This is a classic question that has has passed the lips of generations, a cinematic staple for the past 59 years, and now with Barbara Broccoli stating the producers are looking for a 12-year commitment, my question for you guys is, outside the favourites, you know, the Cavills, Hardys, Elbers of Hollywood, is there an actor that you think would be a great Mm -hmm. choice? Just to put my pick in the... Just to put my pick in the ring to battle it out, I feel that Jack O'Connell would make an excellent choice. Excellent. Love the pod and all the impressions. You guys are smashing it. Big loves, Mike. Love Jack O'Connell. Um, George, James Bond. Well, you know, we talked this week because I, I thought I was getting yeah, really, I remember you really saying. inspired. It was the 60th anniversary of James Bond or something. And there was this sort of c- celebrational presentation happening somewhere. And I thought, here we go. They're going to use this to announce. Yeah the New bond, and they didn't, but I do know that apparently they've whittled it down to two people wow. who are in their 30s. Okay, okay, so they're not going to be Gen Z or anything like that or older. I think the the Idris Elba, Idris Elba's already ruled himself out, so what doesn't want to do do? Yeah. Because he's like, he doesn't really need to. He says he gets asked that question. He says if he goes out, he'll get asked it five plus times a day. It's like literally he, the question. He also, like, like, Idris Elba, no offense, he's 50. Yeah. I, I love Idris Elba. He, he, he's, he's great, but he, he can do other things. A anyway. lot of the obvious ones I would have loved 10 years yeah. ago. Also, and now I actually feel like they're Henry a bit Cavill, tired choices. Henry Cavill was almost Bond. It was between yeah. him and Daniel Craig, and they went with Daniel Craig. Henry Cavill, he was almost Superman on. before he was Superman as well. Really? In with the two thousand? Yes, with the Brandon Routh yes, one. Oh, wow. one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So look, I think that's all over. Um, the one that also gets mentioned a lot is James um, Norton yes the actor but I feel like he's been named so many times as the next one for like the past five years that even he's now he once taught me a drama workshop at school really he was my drama teacher's friend from uni wow and like he was just before anyone knew who he yeah, was, yeah. I was like, oh, he's like an actor, James Norton. I think he'd done like an episode, like he'd been in an episode of Doctor Who before. Right. That's the only like thing I think I'd known he was in. And he taught us like he was a working. Actually, came to teach us like talk to us about drama school. Right. And ever since, I've been like, oh my god, that's James Norton, that guy who <laughs> what was the what was the show he did where he was a, uh, a priest or something? Oh, uh, Grandchester. That was the thing where he really blew up. And yeah. I was like, oh my god, I know that guy. He, like taught me an episode. Um, anyway. I don't know. I don't know. I, this is what right. go unknown for me. Just please really? find someone I don't I don't know anything about. Like the same way that I know Daniel Craig wasn't unknown, yeah. but I had no impression of who Daniel Craig was when he got cast. I mean, I was. You want someone who can grow into the role. Yes, uh, it doesn't have baggage of associations. I, I think. Um, Again, those people, you look, I think Henry Cavill, he's Superman. I know he's not doing that much anymore, but I think you shouldn't have more than one of those really big, like all-encompassing. The as well, yeah. Um, Tom Hardy, I think, again, if you'd asked me in 2010, I'd be like, oh, Tom Hardy would be the best. Um, but, Tom Har- but also, Tom Hardy's much more interesting and sort of darker than I think. But Bond. I don't want to tie him up for four films to do James Bond. I'd rather he just kept doing loads of different in- interesting things. I agree, Elba's too old. There's there, whenever I see those um those big listicle articles where like here are the 20 actors that could be in the running, I'm never excited by any of them. No. I don't want like uh Reggie Jean Page. Right. I don't I feel like he's not quite right. Um oh, well, because, because he brings the Brid- Bridgerton uh, uh Yeah, uh, and I'm not saying he's like, just that that he just that role, but there's just everyone's like oh it could be him and I'm like, "Eh, give me someone I don't know." Or like Henry Golding and I'm like, so really, all bets are off. No I, idea. I, I would love to be politely, politely, delightfully surprised. What am I going to do? Like Root for someone, have my pick, and then like if it doesn't get picked, which is something completely out of my control, I'm like, oh, they didn't pick my guy. Like, yeah. no, you, want, gonna... you want to be surprised, because then they give you something you're not. Yeah. And um... I hope, you know, they said 12-year commitment. I assume that's at least three films. Probably, yeah, three, four, yeah. Do, reinvent the wheel again. Because yeah. I, th- I think in-, in Daniel Craig's revolutionized- Just, just, just reinvent the wheel again, yeah. easy. Well, they did. I did all <laughs> nice first to it, know how they did. And then I think towards the end that that wasn't refreshing necessarily anymore. And yeah. it sort of did and didn't work. To give me a completely yeah. new way to tell that story again. It's an amazing opportunity to do that. Uh, James writes into the show and says, hi chaps, hope all is well. I'll start with my Thank question. You. What is your opinion on the rise of YouTube film bros who heavily critique modern Hollywood and the Netflixification of old IPs, <laughs> the embracing of diversity, inclusion of modern messages? You both seem far more measured in your reception of modern film TV shows. Do you think their criticism is valid at all, e.g. Tolkien fanatics disliking Rings of Power? And then he says, apologies for a bit of a long one. I wanted to write in to say how much I love your podcast. I find you both super engaging, funny and thoughtful. Neera Film Bros, generating millions of views for borderline chauvinistic racist critiques from modern films with no actual analysis or film craft or cinema. It is refreshing for you to see your more open and appreciative approach to film. All the best, James. James, that's really kind. That's I'll say lovely, from though. the get-go, we can't comment on any individual uh, opinion because you've mentioned, you know, being uh, like minim- minimizing uh, about diversity inclusion and being uh, race and misogynistic. That's covering what could be hundreds of opinions. So I, I couldn't comment <laughs> on any specific one. Um, what well, you mean like? No, but I think it's more that how do we feel about... So it's kind that James in this Yeah know, doesn't see us as YouTube bros, which I I'm think is a good thing. I, I don't think we, we think of ourselves as that. Yes. But... As a, in distinguishing us from them, what do we? How I'd say do we that you, view YouTube film bros. I would say that there are many times you and I stop ourselves from giving an opinion that we think if we can't see where it's going, it might be a little bit reductive. Yeah, yeah. And I ready. think it's very easy for us to sit here, completely untalented and unofficial in the yeah. way of being like crit- We're not critics. Yeah. Absolutely. So I feel like for us to give an opinion, it shouldn't just be negative, for the sake of being negative, or yeah. comment on something that I don't think yeah, we're really in a place to, to say to make a comment on it. We just did a spoiler discussion of Don't Worry Darling, for yeah. example, when I gave my, I was a little bit frustrated about the film, but my all my frustrations, I hope, were presented yeah. to be grounded in the way the film, the film doesn't work. Yes. It's got nothing to do with sort of wider um, exacerbations or like f- film bro stuff. And also, I think um, you and I are aware of like the f- the film bro traits of like, I mean, I know our, pop, our podcast is called Pop Kitchen, which is yeah. like pop fiction, which is a very film bro thing yeah. or But this like Culture of Fight Club and um, uh, what are the other ones? Scarface and the kind of Wolf of Wall Street, like University Dorm stuff. But um, in a way, I don't... I don't know. I think there's also a thing where discourse on the internet has become incredibly like you're either on this side or you're on this side. Yeah, we're not We need to be like, I, I like the idea that like people can disagree and hold different opinions, but as long yeah. as you're like articulate in how you express it and you're justified or you give reasons yeah. for why you think that way, you shouldn't necessarily have to challenge I, someone else for thinking something that you didn't, yeah. liking something that you didn't and that's okay. I, I know this sounds strange because we might have done this, but I'm always very, very suspicious of these film channels that are either absolutely scathing about a film or Binary. ecstatic about a film yeah. which I know is weird because we've just done a review of Blonde and yeah. I just gave my views on Don't Worry Darling which is typically but, but whenever I see that I'm like nothing is, is as crystally brilliant as that like you I really want to know how you've engaged it because some people just gush yeah. um, we try and not do that Anyway, this has become quite self-reflective. Yeah. Well, there you go. We don't really have an answer, but I guess we're just trying not to reduce ourselves to a very we're trying to make sure that system of thought. I, I, well, the way I look at it is that whenever we talk about a film, that is, whether we don't like it or or, or if we disagree with it, that film has fundamentally been the product of a lot of hard work, yeah. and a lot of people that has been made. And also, when you are making a film, when you are a filmmaker, you are just trying to control so many factors that are beyond your control to steer a ship that really when you're making a film even with the script and with all the talent involved you don't know really how it's going to come out yeah you don't know what you're going to be presenting an audience with at the Mm -hmm. end you don't know whether it's going to be good or bad and we and we respect that so whenever we talk about film, we really don't try we don't enjoy taking it down peg by peg so if you listen to our blonde review uh we 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 are we we try and really justify yeah yeah, not just like Tearing it to shreds, but really justifying what why didn't work. Yeah. Anyway. Catherine writes into the show and says, Hi again. I just listened to your own review of See How They Run and had some thoughts. To quote a woman leaving the same cinema screen as me, quote, well, that was a whole load of rubbish. Whoa. So I enjoyed it. I loved the 50s aesthetic, loved the cinematography, loved the main two characters. I did feel like almost the gags that were there were we'd seen in the trailer already. Guys, we were there? Yeah, the gags that in I the did. Film, yeah. I did feel like all, I did feel like most of the gags were, that were there we'd seen in the trailer already. In my professional capacity, I work with books, and one of the most infuriating things for me in a book synopsis is a fine and dandy sounding drama, and then it hits you with a. But she's the long lost descendant of Jane Austen, which I kind of feel was the vibe in this film. The vibe this film gave for me it cheapens the story almost, and I think with see how they run, it had so much potential and was really stylish as to attract an audience, but suffered from the Agatha Christie angle. I found the portrayal to be quite cringeworthy and if they'd done a story without the name dropping and had much the same characters but fictional, i.e. no Agatha Christie or Mousetrap, I think it would have been much better and could have had a potential sequel. Solid six out of ten. Would probably not recommend all the best, Catherine. Very thorough and frank uh, review from you there. I appreciate that. Catherine, I think that's... Um, For a I, film that I haven't seen, yet. I think that's totally fair. I, th- I, think, I think it is a case where, like, I I did for a film that's so sharp and self-aware of the fact that it's uh, of whodunits and it seeks to like dissect and satirize them in as well as being a commentary on a whodunit and being a whodunit I hoped that at the end I would have a little bit more to talk to you about but the ending guy was just a little bit of like whatever too but I still I still kind of enjoyed it um I'll be watching that film at Christmas I think yeah great shot for it this one this day this next one's from Molly. Hi, I'm really loving the podcast. Oh, thanks, it is Molly. essential listening on the way to college. Hey. I didn't discover you on TikTok, shock face, Whoa. but my friend who recommended you to me did. Oh, thank you, you for go. all those friends out there recommending yeah, you keep God's work. Yeah, recommending to people, thank you. I was wondering what films released in this century do you think will stand the test of time? Whoa, for example, blimey. I believe Get Out will be a classic for many years to come. Or maybe what films that are popular that maybe won't. For example, I love Bodies, 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 but don't see that connecting with future generations. Thanks, Molly. I think that's a good point about Bodies 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 it might age quite quickly yeah. but um george what films from this what? century so from 2000 onwards do you think will stand the test of time big question that's interesting because like there have been a couple of polls i think around about 2019 when we're getting the end of the decade there are a couple of polls sure. that said best films so far of the 2010s oh sure yeah um the guardian voted there Will Be Blood is one of their best films. I was going to say, I that think, could I be one. I think on. you're starting to see the tempos come through, like we always talk about the social network, yes. There Will Be Blood, No Country for Old Men. I think um, a film that really captured everyone's imagination at the time was Inception. I feel yes, like that Inception. just swept through everyone's yeah, um, sort of, I got people really excited about a film, which I'd never seen before. I, I always like to think that, Separate from Marvel, but like Guardians of the Galaxy will, will survive as like a perennial yeah. perennial favorite amongst like well, families. That, that whole, favorite. I think you could count the build up to the Infinity War as being special and like in its, own, mo- way. In its own way. Yeah, no, like we'd never seen in the anything like grow up it. And, have to, and like work their way through it. And, and I think granddads will go, Oh, I remember like, and they all oh, came together. When the, when the thing came from the sky. Yeah. And that, like the idea of all them all teaming up would have been the most amazing thing. Oh, I, w- I, I would like to say Parasite. Yeah. I would like to think that what we've watched there is something that you look back and go, for, that's one for the ages." Yeah, there are. I mean, it's like 20 years of film. There's so many great. Like Lost in Translation would be a film that I think is timeless and amazing. Is it though? Do I don't think? know. The, I don't know if that. I, I think that might have dated badly. I haven't seen uh, that in a while. The, the whole handling thing. of no, 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 they It's a whole handling because uh, it's a. They, there's no. They don't have a sexual relationship. No, like but it's, it's about the Western perception of Japan. Um, yes, and, true, and, and you know the Western's outsiders' view. But that, but that debate has been happening since the film came out. I that's mean, true. Uh, whew, what else has happened? There will be blood. Is pretty timeless. I think. Yeah, that's pretty pretty good. It's a, it's a very hard question. What mm. we've just basically mentioned is films we always talk about as films we like. Social Network is good because it, it is right on the precipice of like this current uh, in like landscape of social media. So it's always yeah. going to be this interesting case study of like on the verge of something bigger yeah. than anyone could I, control. I do see why they should do a sequel to a it. Film. I mean, whether or not, I do see a film like The Wolf of Wall Street just surviving and being in circulation for just yeah. a long time. Just yeah. that, it's just a film like Pulp Fiction that just goes around, and people say, "Oh, how, you haven't seen." Wolf, it just, it just, it's always around. Yes, um, under the skin of people, um, for right or wrong. Wolf well, that's Street. it. That's yeah, Whatever you think about it, it will always just, you know. But mm. um, huge I, question, huge question that we've basically. we've, think like we've early... basically just said the same films we normally say. Yeah, that just films that we like. But Spider-Man One, two thousand two. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Parasite, the most recent one. As yeah, well, as an example. Yeah, love that. This one's from Dan Z who writes into hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. He says, hey guys, me again. I was listening to the latest hey pod, number 43, nice. and I agreed with one of the prior emails saying he, he agrees with a lot of your opinions. This got me thinking, would you guys ever consider doing a form of watch along slash commentary where, where you two would watch a movie together mm-hmm. and do a live commentary of it? I understand you two a full-time jobs, thank, you. thank uh, you. Finding the time to do so it's would be nice quite th- tedious. I yeah. like that it's acknowledged. Yeah. Uh, but if it was possible, I would imagine a lot of the audience would be on board. Keep smashing it, gents, from Dan. Z. Good one, Dan. I mean, we would like to do that. And we yeah. have talked about it. It's just that, as you say, with the time constraints that we have just to put this show together, it's like creating a whole other show, isn't it? I, I would say that... <sighs> Uh, the idea of a watch long commentary I've never sat and listened to two people watch another film because you can't you know, we can't put the film up because yeah. for copyright reasons so you'd have to sort of sync up and press play I almost wonder like if we did have time to do that I think there are other things I would rather do first mm. with that time yeah. than do that if you and I did a 9 to 5 where all we did was this stuff I would yeah. be like 100% yeah. let's throw that in one day but yeah if you didn't know we are completely uh, self produced and there's yes. no like person behind the scenes we're completely independent There's no like podcast house that manages this for us no, or edits there's no, it. there's so no like, producer it's us it's you and me it's just as much time as we want to put in slash can put in this band. whole thing yeah. Uh, but yeah I love, the, I love the idea of doing so many more different fun film bits of content <laughs> if with you if someone said to me like can I speak to your producer I'd be like yes sure and I just put a moustache on you know glue on <laughs> yeah. moustache fake glass yeah. it's like, hello <laughs> I'm the manager I love the idea of us going into a meeting one day and be like the team at the office are just <laughs> working through the night taking fake calls yeah yeah no pushback. no tell him two million or we're not turning up. Hello, is that Mr. Schneebly? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, uh, Mr. Scorsese. <laughs> yeah. I beg your pardon. This new this new chief of operations. Sorry. You were telling me about a uh, Taxi Driver 2. <laughs> yeah. Can't get a cab. <laughs> okay. you know, it's funny, I spoke to James Cameron last night yeah. and he just, avatar, avatar, avatar. I have a break, yeah. my God, am I right? <laughs> so this is an email about don't worry, darling. You and I did a spoiler discussion very recently about Don't Worry Darling, which you can see on the channel. If you have seen Don't Worry Darling and you wanted to hear about George's thoughts after I had seen it, please go and check that out. Um, Kyle has written in to give some impressions of, I think, my opinion, where he said, hey guys, dedicated listener, second time writing in. Thank you very much. I wanted to say thank you guys again for another great week of content and I'm excited for what's to come. Thank you so much. I did want to respond to James's take on Don't Worry Darling because I had almost a purely opposite opinion. I loved the movie. I know what he was saying when he saw where it was going, but I was curious exactly what he meant by saw the twist coming. I'll read it out and then I'll respond. Uh, I thought the world was fake, but I I love the idea. I think there's some spoilers in this email. Ah, yes. Spoilers for Don't Worry Darling. Thank you for writing us. Maybe, if you haven't seen Don't Worry Darling yet, please just skip skip forward ahead. Um, So he says, I did want to respond... No, okay. He goes on to say, I thought the world was fake, but I love the idea of it being incel men who are hyper-obsessed with masculinity and they submit to a podcast leader t- w- with the likes of a Jordan Peterson character or even most recently, Andrew Tate. Yes. I've seen the same where I saw where it was going and it was boring criticism from other critics online, but I think it's just a different take on an established storyline. I was curious if you guys agree. Also, for what it's worth, I think James's take is still valid and I get him wanting something different outside that story arc, but I wanted to ask if you meant that he saw that only the world was fake idea coming or or if he did actually go as far as to catch that it was an simulated world with incels tying their wives up and submitting to an alpha bro podcast host, because if that's the latter, hats off to James. By the way, guys, you can sign up to our program where we're. going <laughs> <laughs> so, No, I'm kidding. Uh, all in all, I love the pod and I thought James brought up some great points, but was conflicted when I watched it, and I loved it. And and I loved it and just wanted to say my part. Thank you, guys, again for great content each week. Peace and love, Kyle. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm 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 really glad that you enjoyed it. Yeah, like, it is good because uh, go and watch my thoughts. I I in our spoiler discussion I. I was less. In, I was less Much favorable less. on it than James was. And you should listen to George's points because I think a lot of them are valid. Because you were a lot less uh, sympathetic to it. I will say when if you asked me why I saw the twist coming, spoilers. I did tell that it was going to be a Village esque. It's actually all in the modern day. Right. This 1950s Americana setting right. is sim. Is si- well, I, I didn't guess that they were in a computerized simulation, but I was like, this is not real. Yeah. This is Can clearly. I, you why, I rewatched the, the Village the other week. Oh, it, no, you didn't. Look, no, because I know we've been talking about it for one while. But yeah, like, we have. But I was just like, I'm just gonna do it. Yeah. And I and I, I, mean, I did like it. It was not not amazing, but there's um of it, but it, of good, it's great it? for autumn because it's just oh it's such yeah a vibe. Yeah. Um, great James Eastern Howard score. Great James Eason Howard score. Um Bryce Dallas Howard, not very convincing as a blind person, but um Joaquin it's got Phoenix. a very yeah, like if it's got a very, very good performance by William Hurt in it. And there's a bit where like yeah. he gathers the elders and basically says like she needs that she needs to, she needs mm. to go. Why are we doing this? And uh, it's... I really like the sequence when she's holding out her hand, waiting for Joaquin Phoenix oh, to take it. And run, uh, yeah. at the time you think the monsters are, yeah. are coming and that, the swell of the music, I just remember that but then being what, brilliant. What's very clever is when when William Hurt said, like the first twist, if you like, William Hurt said, spoilers for the village, but it's yeah. already given away yeah. 20 years ago, um, where William Hurt said, "It's the monsters aren't real. You know, yeah. right? it, it's all dress up, but then she's in the woods, but then there's a monster in the woods. <laughs> That's, and then you're like, Ah, I like that. Uh, yeah, then, but it's and then and then you still get scared of it chasing her because it's making the noise. But it's just Adrian Brody. Yes. Um, so yeah, thank you very much for your opinion. I have a feeling, just back to Don't Worry, Darling. That the longer that this film is out and the more people sort of get the sense that the that this this, that this has a very surface level depth and that the, the payoff is very thin I think the responses to it will become less and less sympathetic yes, yeah. whereas I feel like from the get-go there's excitement and people being like oh I wonder and now that that veil of, of, uh, of mystery is being just removed yeah. I think people will be more jaded with it but I'm glad to hear that you had a good time with it This one is from Puck. Hello, guys. Puck here from The Hague, the Netherlands. Thank you. Uh, I found your podcast by myself on Spotify. Actually, who am I kidding? Of course, it was TikTok. (laughs) Uh, And I can really relate to the passion you guys have for cinema because I really love cinema myself, and I love to talk to people about it, yet sometimes I feel like we are not the same level of passion. Well, Puck, we're here for you. Welcome. In your opinion, what would be a movie that will almost guarantee at least a bit of enthusiasm about cinema after watching it? One that will reveal someone is either clearly not interested in talking about cinema, or is somewhat savable. Keep up the good work. Cheers, Puck. Yeah, great question. Mm. Um, what you're basically talking about there is like deal breaker films, almost yeah. like films that if you, uh, that you almost like objectively un- uncontestable. I, the one that came to mind was The Shawshank Redemption, right? Okay, yeah. Because it's not, it's not like, it's not, that's not a question of of quality. I'm not saying you need to watch that and go, that's an amazing film. And what I'm, I'm not trying to say it's like, I mean, Shawshank is pretty great, but like, if you showed Shawshank to someone and they went, don't think, don't think much of that, yeah. I was like, Ooh, you're not going to get a lot out of films. Yeah, <laughs> you're not going to get a lot out of this cinema. This covers a lot of the yeah. Venn diagram, like liking film. This is a yeah. big one. There's a, in this, you know, nearly three hour epic, there's quite a lot of things in there. So yeah. um, I don't think cinemas for you if you don't like Shawshank. i say, like, I, oh, having said that, if you're listening and you're like, I've never liked Shawshank, it's a great headline I could lift. George from Paul Kitchen says, If you don't like Shawshank, <laughs> you don't like films. No, it's um, then let us know. But James. I, I told my, it's like, it's like those that really capture the, the childish imagination. So therefore, like Spielberg films. Mm. That just really like give you a sense of wonder and awe of like the magic of cinema mm. like recent example that we've watched recently is like jurassic park sure like i know it's not like the greatest film of all time i think it's bloody fantastic but like if you don't go wow this is like captured my imagination mm. for something greater than the world Do i live know, in how could you not enjoy this cinema this is kind of dovetailing back to that conversation we had months ago from trevor and, yes, Melle, trevor from his and friend who had never seen a film you haven't yeah. heard this go back to see a previous episode of ours where uh, we had an email from from Trevor Trevor in LA who had a friend who had who had grown up without films and yeah. had never seen a film before and they had to choose a film from to watch for the first time. Oh, Go and listen to it. Go and it was listen so to good. It. So yeah, thank you very much, Puck. This next one is from Alex. Hello, Messrs Pulp and Kitchen. Good day, of course, sir. Uh, uh, you're george pulp and i'm james kitchen that's how it works yeah. i'd love to say that i discovered the existence of tiktok through your podcast but i'm afraid <laughs> that as with many other listeners it was the inverse <laughs> that's good the algorithm <laughs> has thrown many of your clips my way but it was your shared disappointment with nope that got me listening to an entire episode and i haven't looked back since oh, apart you. from looking back at all your previous episodes nice. looking forward to more horror con- content from you guys in spooktober Well, yes, we're in it. My question is about outgrowing movie protagonists. Your rule of thumb about rewatching films every five years or so to make sure your opinion of them still holds up got me thinking about my biggest 180 in cinematic opinion. George, Mm. just remind people about your rule about five years. So so I said this before in a previous episode is that whatever film, whatever opinion you have on a film, however much you love it, hate it, whatever, I really believe that that opinion is only valid for five years. Okay. Harsh. Uh, I'm not saying you're wrong, but I'm saying that in order to. Justify that, but you need to go back and rewatch it again because you'll be surprised at how much has changed. Mine is Into the Wild. First time I watched it, I was a 16 year old. I found Alexander Supertramp succumbing to the call of the wild to be incredibly exciting and inspirational. As such, I adored the film and it became a firm favorite. A few years later, I watched it again, then age 21, and was shocked by how unbearable I found the experience. Many aspects of the film were still great, such as the varied and stunning scenery, but the film's reliance on you rooting for Alexander Supertramp was now it's undoing for me. Watching this protagonist tear up his family and throw people's hospitality back in their faces didn't feel inspirational at all. Instead, it felt like a reckless selfishness. Mm. Do you have any films whose previous en- Do you have any films whose previous enjoyment was ruined because you completely lost touch with the protagonist, either through getting older or other factors? Love your work. Keep on smashing it, boys. By the way, am I the only one who tried to say yeah at the right time during the transition lounge music? Oh, <laughs> the, oh, the... <laughs> If yeah, if those haven't spotted it in the, look... the transition music, there's that yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love that. Good email um, about the first of all about Into the Wild. I similarly have only seen that once and when I was I 17. And I remember really liking it. But I, I'm curious now that if I yeah, if I go back, I'm going to be like, oh, my God, this is a nightmare. Um, the one that comes to mind off the top of my head is Kick-Ass. And I think I mentioned oh. this before. I, I'm not so sure this is necessarily about the protagonist dating, whether it's the film dating. But it's that when I first saw Kick-Ass when I was 16, loved it. all yeah. over. I remember seeing it on the back of Empire magazine. I was like, that looks really fun. And it was great. Got on DVD. Loved it. And then I went back and watched it. Far, I'd, I'd probably seen it a couple of times already, but went back and watched it five years later as part of a uni course that we were doing about um, uh, right. adaptation. So you know, adapted from source material and made into a film. And when I was watching it, I was like, "Hang on a second, what? There's is really, uh, there's just something really off about Kick-Ass I find now, and, and I mean, but also, can I just say that was the last time I watched Kick-Ass. That was now seven years ago, so oh. I could now I'm now due another watch of Kick-Ass to resee. I think, but I remember yeah. at the time thinking, there's this whole subplot about. Um, uh, it just, just just doesn't work. Which is that he gets beaten up in a parking lot, right? Yeah, and found like kind of uh, a car park, I should say, because I'm English. Um, he gets he gets found like half naked, right? Right. So everyone at school is like sniggering and laughing because just because he was found beaten up in a car park, people think he was a raped by like a gang of men, gang raped by men, right? Which everyone at school then immediately uh, finds funny. Which then, C, everyone assumes that he's gay, thereof, which then, D, he assumes the identity yeah, of a gay troubling. person to try and sleep with um, uh, a female friend, I've which he then successfully does. And this. I'm like, hang on a minute, that's not all right. What, what's so going not on all right. Yeah. <laughs> what's going on? Because yeah, because it, it's not just that that character has done that, but also like the film is basically like said that oh yeah, all these people. So because you, people think he's been raped, uh, <laughs> he must be in his so guitar. Right? I know it's it's, it's really it's, there is. Uh, I've always found that the tone of that film ever so slightly off, and like the delivery from the line, the characters' lines was always a little bit weird. Nicolas Cage's mm. performance is very off in uh, that. Yeah. Um, I've not thought on that. I've, I've I've completely forgotten about that entire subplot. Yeah, but there you go. But mine is usually I'd say I don't have a huge protagonist answer in my mind, but it's always uh supporting characters or things that now I'm not a kid, I view the actions of certain characters very differently, like like what parents have done mm. and the way in which like you know how like you never really understand your parents until you are a parent, not that mm. a parent, or until you're a grown-up oh. or like the perspective of why someone did that to a child. Go on. Uh, only if you finished your point. That's fine. Yeah. Alex, great question because this is time for me to bring in my weekly reminder that we will be talking about the uh, before films yes. at some point. And this is very relevant to your email. Yes. Because the before films take the same characters and revisit them 10 mm-hmm. years apart over a 20-year period, the idea of growing up or growing out of a, a protagonist um, in one age and then maybe to another and viewing mm-hmm. them differently as you've got older and how they exist in time and how you exist in time is right there. And it's one of the things I really love about those films. Just a reminder, everyone. I almost feel like you said too much. No, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. No, but... You and I, you know, James and I are going to talk about it because James hasn't seen it and I really wanted him to go see it. So we're going to, re- once James has seen it, we're going to record an episode where we yeah. cover it all. This is your so, book club homework. This is your book club homework. Go away and watch the Before trilogy. Don't look up what they're about too much, particularly the second two. Just go and watch them. They're very short. I think the longest one is like 90 minutes, but like the second one is like 80 minutes. You'll, you'll be absolutely fine. Watch those. Come back to the book club. We'll talk about it. Alex, I assume you'll be listening. This next one is from Dan. He says, hey, fellas, love listening to the poddy still. The quality week to week continues to be incredible. Felt like a proud dad seeing you attend the Amsterdam premiere. I stopped my girlfriend and went, look, it's Pop Kitchen, when I saw them on the gram. Oh, (laughs) it's like a proud father. Yeah, I like that. (laughs) Thank you so much. Uh, Regarding the MCU show structure from a few weeks ago, just thought I'd throw in my two cents out there. Buckle in, buckle. Personally, I think the biggest issue is the structure of the shows. While some succeed in the six-episode format, e.g., Loki, others severely suffer. Brackets, Miss Marvel. I also Mm. think Marvel making everything a must-watch is burning people out quickly. Agreed. I think a great balance would be to have two different structures for the shows. One being the usual 18 to 20 episode structure like a Brooklyn Nine-Nine or The Office for comedies like She-Hulk where there's a new case each week. But it's ultimately a nice to have and not a must watch. The other would be what I call the Sherlock style. One hour and a half episodes each fortnight for three episodes per season as the big television event. Stories that are essential reading for the MCU, similar to how Sherlock aired here in Australia. This huh. would reward the G'day. hardcore fans by seeing Daredevil and She-Hulk (spoilers) without harming the more casual fans by essentially giving them three mini movies to watch. Sorry for the length. Keep up the amazing work, Dan. Interesting um, idea there. Yeah. Short answer is great idea, but I don't think I don't see Marvel ever um, willingly devaluing its half of its content. Yes. Not that they would explicitly do that, but by presenting half of it as prestigious and half of it as less, so they're kind of immediately um, downgrading it and they want it all to be yeah they well, want to have if gonna everything money- be a must watch yes because if they're going to spend money on it they want it to be watched so um, good idea though yeah I, th- I think I have always thought that um, people should get more experimental with length especially mm-hmm. seeing as it's like we said that you're not bound to having your half an hour slot on a TV, sh- on a TV channel yeah. Like, uh, when you put out a show on Netflix, it doesn't have to be an but that's hour. That's the thing about, like, Werewolf by Night. Like, why was that 55 minutes? Why couldn't that have been an hour and a half? Yeah. Like, couldn't it have been Or, But hour? I remember when uh, the first few series, seasons of House of Cards came out, mm-hmm. and they they would experiment with having, like, 42-minute episodes, and then, yeah. like, the finale's were, like an hour and five. Yeah, And yeah. it was like, well, if the episode needs to be this long... We just do we it. We just do it, because that'll, that'll be work. Uh, yeah, interesting concept. Uh, and then just the be- basically about... Um, he's saying that... Oh, can I just say on that point, yes. though, is that our consumer habits have actually like gone back now though and that we expect we don't like it when episodes are of Do different you. lengths because you want it to be consistent you're like how much pay-? am I in for yeah, yeah. but just to your point about I also think Marvel making everything a must watch is burning people out quickly I think that says yeah. a lot about our yeah. we've covered it but it. absolutely correct yeah this one's from Chris he says hi guys no need to mention where I first came across the podcast but I've since become an avid listener after seeing don't worry darling I think the review review you gave was fairly aligned to my own thoughts while I actually quite enjoy the film I think it's inability to look beyond the superficial level at the themes around gender roles and masculinity that arose from its intriguing central concept made the whole thing feel somewhat hollow as the credits began to roll but this got me thinking are there any films that you think have a very strong central premise but are executed poorly the purge and limitless are two that come Mm. to mind for me. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. Keep up the good work, Chris. I quite like Limitless. I like Limitless. I was going to say, I, I I've seen Limitless within two years, and I think it's good fun. I think that's definitely on a plane, though. You've definitely watched that on a plane. No, I think it was I you think, sat down. Yeah, I think, the it Italian, time yeah, I think wow. we did. We did Limitless again. Um, I really like Limitless. I think I think the first half is better than the second, and I think like it could have gone so much further with its idea, but mm. didn't. It's uh, the Purge. They're still making those purge movies, aren't they? I think. I think. Great question. Good I think question. the one. My answer is one I've given before, which um, is a film called Vox Lux. And I'm sorry if I'm oh, repeating yeah. myself, but I'm just going to tell it again for the purposes of this email. Which is I had this premise, which was really interesting, which is that there's a high school shooting in America in the 90s, and one of the children that is injured. But survives um, is a thirteen-year-old girl, and then at the eulogy at like the the, the shrine um, uh, to to the to the to the tragedy, she sings and she sings beautifully, and it's captured on national media, and she's whipped up and then catapulted into stardom, and cuts to thirty years later, or twenty years later, where she is a like global pop star and has Natalie Portman in it, and and it's and, and I saw that as a premise, and I thought whoa. That's interesting. That's you've got different time periods. You've got um, something that's very topical and and very but dramatic. You know, high school shootings. You've got. Um, fame, celebrity, like wealth, um, all, all all juicy, great bits to get into. And the film's an absolute car crash, but um, yeah, so. I'll say episode nine, The Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Next one. Is... Why you... <laughs> also, oh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Could, yeah. have, could have been great. Yeah, it could have been great. Well, it was like a great setup for that whole thing that just fell flat In yeah. uh Next one is from, last one is from Elliot. He says, hello guys. Ever since I was lucky enough to catch the infamous Pulp Kitchen hot air balloon passing by the Manchester <laughs> skyline, <laughs> I'm happy to <laughs> say that you two have been a staple Very in my good. daily commute. Uh, yeah, we, we we had a big marketing budget. Yeah, yeah, and we blew month. it all on that. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> you two have given fantastic in-depth breakdowns of some of my favorite films and plenty of movie-themed games that keep me and my other half now playing along in drives. Oh nice. Uh, she did not appreciate my film opposite Noel, the unemployed. Noel, Noel? the unemployed. The L- Liam. No, no, Noel. Leon the professional. Oh, oh my god. god, Leon like no backwards, yeah. yeah. Oh. Wow. Good one. That's <laughs> twist. <the time. laughs> We're both like, uh. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed like hearing our brains yeah. work in real time. I <laughs> thought Noel, like Liam Gallagher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I don't really know the how <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, my question is, have you ever stumbled on a movie on TV halfway through and it immediately had your attention? Whether or not you've gone back to watch the start. When I was younger, I found Memento on TV about halfway through. Well, that's and it was stuck to the <laughs> screen for the entire film. I still haven't seen the first half yeah. but you're more connected to the plot knowing neither of us know what was going on thanks for your hard work keep it up how would you have any idea about what about, he does say in memento i have this memory thing yeah quite a lot but like you would have no idea um the thing is uh not to sound like an absolute film nerd is but because from a very young age i realized that like, i really like films and I, I the idea of like stumbling across a film and staying with it I would never do. Because if I saw anything, probably, yeah. I would go, stop, I need to see this in the beginning so I could enjoy It's the only thing it. I'd done since I was very young, but I would often, there would be films that I'd seen that I would yeah. catch the second half of. Like I had a role if National Treasure was on, I was watching it, even right. if it was the last 20 minutes or missed the first 20 minutes. Right. Um, but film that I started that I hadn't seen before, I can't no. think of something that's immediately gone... And I'm okay with that. Memento is a real plotty yeah. one for you to admit. <laughs> please, please go back and watch Memento. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. It. There's, there's no other film like Memento. Um, but Except there you go. for the Seinfeld episode that predates it. That is the exact same thing. Oh yeah, so you're there's right. There's an episode of Seinfeld that does the, that is told in reverse. Yes. And does, does the whole Memento thing. But um, yeah. Well, there you go. Thank you for writing in. Uh, if you want to send us your questions, your comments and your concerns, you can do by emailing hello at popkitchenpodcast.com and we'll read them out on the show. As always, thank you very much. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Okay, guys, as ever, let's end with the game. And I've gone away and prepped one for you, James. I'm hoping it's going to stump you. Let's do it. It's a new one. It is Guess the Movie, based on the character's name. Okay, okay. can you do that? Yeah, I can try. I'm going to do it very quickly. So you're going to read out a bunch of character names. And you've got to tell me what movie they're in. You've got about five seconds before I tell you, okay? Five, okay. Go. Okay, Okay. James. Here's the game. Yep. Guess the movie from the character's name. Okay. Three, two, one. Marty McFly. Back to the Future. Axel Foley. Uh, uh, Beverly Hills Cop. Gustav H. Gustav H. No, I don't have it. Grand Budapest Hotel. Ah. Norman Bates. uh, Psycho. Marge Gunderson. Marge comes no Fargo Ah Maximus Decimus Meridius uh, Gladiator Enigo <laughs> Montoya Oh my God It's um Oh my God It's from um uh, the, the Princess Bride oh. Oh, just a... V uh, for vendetta uh Wait for Vendetta yes. yes Roy Batty Um No I don't have it What is it Blade Runner Oh uh, Elizabeth Salander Elizabeth Salander Elizabeth Salander no. Girl no. with a dragon tattoo. Oh, I haven't seen it. There you go. Oh, that was good. So that's that was round good. one. like that, okay. okay. All right. I'm Woo. trying to break it up a little bit. So Roy Batty, I put in there because he's the villain in Blade Runner. Yeah. Right? And I'm like, Roy Batty sounds like he it's does such your- a it, it, yeah, <laughs> such a normal name. he's such a normal name. he does your accounting. Roy okay. okay, round two. <sighs> okay, let's go. Round two, James, you've got to guess the movie from the character's name. Three, two, one. Katniss Everdeen. Uh, the Hunger Games. Mr. Orange. Mr. Orange. Mr. Orange. From, uh, oh Reservoir Dogs too Oh late. my god, that really threw me. Olaf. Uh from the uh the series of Unfortunate. Frozen. Events. Uh-uh. Frozen. Olaf. What's one in series of Unfortunate Events? Uh like Uncle Olaf or whatever. But like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> count, <works>. Olaf. <laughs> count Olaf. Yeah, but this <laughs> is just Olaf. Count. Frozen, okay. Okay. Tony Montana. Uh, Scarface. Harry Callahan. Um Oh my god. Clue's, clues there. Harry Callahan. Oh I can't it. What Dirty it? Harry. Oh. Anton Chigurh. Oh my God. James. These are just... No Country for Old Men. Oh, I just don't... Amy Dunn. No, I don't have it. Amy Dunn. Gone Girl. Oh, no. Yeah. Lastly, Verbal Kint. Verbal? I don't have that. Usual Suspects. But I... I get... tricky. There's another name Verbal in there, but I didn't want kint. to spoil it. Yeah. Uh... It's tough. I, I wanted to make it a little bit hard. That for you. was hard. That was okay. hard. R- run me through those again. Katniss Everdeen. Yeah. Mister Orange. Olaf. Oh, Should have got that. Tony Montana. Harry Callahan. Anton Chigurh. Amy Dunn, Verbal Kent. Amy Dunn? Like, I, it was, yeah. what was it? Amazing Amy or something? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Amy Dunn is like. Um, Round three, James. You ready? Okay. Last one. Okay. Round three. Guess the movie from the character's name. In three, two, one. Jules Winfield. Jules Winfield, no. Jules no. Winfield, <laughs> *Pulp Fiction*. Peter Venkman, uh, *Ghostbusters*. Snake Plissken, Snake Plissk. Oh, eye patch. *Escape from New York*. <sighs> red. Um, could be- this There's is this is a very famous red. film. I feel like I don't know. *Shawshank one. Redemption*. Oh. Patrick Bateman. You've done that once for Psycho. No, that's... Oh, Norwell, sorry, American Bays. Psycho. American Psycho. Patrick Bateman. American Psycho. Daniel Plainview. Uh, there Will Be Blood. Tyler Durden. Uh, from Fight Club. Quint. Uh, uh, Jaws. Just about. Well done. <laughs> okay. No, on the whole, I think you did... A- Shaky second round. <laughs> Almost recovered in the third. Yeah. There you go. So It's just like... The thing this- is, what I love about this is that... When you hear them out of context, it really does throw you, like with Roy Batty. It's the quick fire. It's like, you, you're always, I always am then thinking about the last one that I didn't get. Yeah. And then you hear the next one, I'm like, in uh, a completely different world. Good one. Thank you. I also have a bonus one. We can oh do my God, it, a, bonus. Like, okay, a bonus. Okay, bonus to it. Bonus, bonus content today. This can, is this the same game? No, no, this no. is a different game. Okay. This is a bonus game. All right. Can you guess the movie quote? Okay, sorry. James, can you guess the movie from the movie quote, but the movie quote is in Spanish? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. So I I did did one year of Spanish. I did Spanish Spanish at school. It's been a while. I'm going to read them out. Apologies for my... um, Wayward pronunciation. So to guess the movie from its quote. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to read a movie quote to you, and it's going to be in Spanish. Okay. Okay. I can't wait to do Korean next week. (laughs) Okay. Ready? Okay. (laughs) Estos hablando a mí. Taxi driver. Yes. Well done. Mostrame el dinero. Oh. Uh, is it Scarface? No. no. Uh, say it again. Mustrame el dinero. Of money. Something of mo- the money. Uh, show me the money. That's oh, uh, yes. What's <laughs> the film? Um, it's uh, to Jerry Maguire. Yeah. Well done. Okay. <laughs> this is quite <laughs> funny. Francamente, mi querida, no me importa un camino. Say again. Slow. Francamente, mi querida, <laughs> no me importa un uh, camino. Something the door of the car. No. Uh, the- francamente is the key. Francamente, mi comit. Francamente, mi carina. The key, no, go on. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. <laughs> Gone with the wind. I should have done the other okay. I need to translate right. those okay, as okay. well. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> just to... And your voice, you sound okay. like a bot. Like when you watch Fred's, like, yeah, hey, Richard. Okay. Here is, here's an easier one Un martini. Sacudido, non removido. Uh, shaken or stirred. Any James Bond. Yeah, it's Goldfinger. Yeah. Veo agente gente muerta agente uh, muerta. Something of dead, veo agente. Uh, dead, yeah. Dead. Say it again. Veo agente muerta. No, what is it? I see dead people. Ah, yes, that's good, okay. Okay. Di hola a mi amigo Pequeno. <laughs> say hello to my little friends. Yes, topic. yes, very good. <laughs> I love this one. I Should- don't speak Spanish. Can we just confirm? I did a year when I was 14. <laughs> Señora Robinson, ¿está tratando de seducirme? Oh my God. For for <laughs> Again, I'll do it slower. Señora Robinson, Robinson. ¿está tratando de seducirme? Uh, es, the clue is Señora Robinson. Go on. <laughs> Mrs. Robinson, you're trying to seduce me, aren't you? Uh, the graduate. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, I'll give you a couple more. Oh. Soy el rey del mundo. Soy el rey del mundo. Break it down. You can do that. Soy. So, I. I am. I am, yeah. El Rey. The Rey. El Rey. No. The, the Sun. No. <laughs> del Mundo. I don't What's Del Mundo? <laughs> the the, the day. De- what is it? I don't know. I, I'm king of the world. Oh, Titanic. Okay. okay. All right, yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm going to give you, Okay, lastly. Can you translate a- these or is it a sporkle? No, it's a sporkle. Okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> lastly, I'm going to give you one that is just so hard, but okay. I'm hoping to get it. All right. <clears throat> El mejor truco que el diablo ejecutó fue convenciendo... Oh, co- sorry, excuse me there. Say again, fue... sorry. Say again. El mejor truco que el diablo ejecutó fue convenciendo el mundo con el no existo. <laughs> you got the devil, non-existing. Right. Yes, got... yes. You're halfway there with that. El mejor truco que el diablo ejecutó fue convenciendo el mundo que el no existo. No, oh, I don't have it. What is it? The greatest trick the devil ever, the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. The ah, usual suspects. That's very good. I, I, I apologize to any actual Spanish speakers out there <laughs> for, my, screaming for my slightly thing. butchered pronunciation, but I saw that quiz on Sporkman. Thank brilliant. you, brilliant. I love that. that um, I thought, this will throw him. Yeah. Um, anyway... I'd love to do like a German one. <laughs> it's fine. To, yeah, sure. That'd go be for great. it. Yeah, go and test me. Oh my um, god, that was amazing. Anyway, thanks you very are the much. Games. Thanks for listening, James. Do you want to begin? Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Pop Kitchen. Don't forget we post new episodes of this show every single Wednesday. That's right. And we also provost a uh, provost. We provost what is that. A pro- That's I, I'm a, a provost. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, we also uh, Put out other content throughout the week as well. So for example, that spoiler discussion of Don't Worry Darling, mm-hmm. look out for that on the channel. We might have some other reviews going out as mm-hmm. well. And of course, as ever, follow us on TikTok, YouTube, um, Instagram, like and subscribe and recommend us as well to friends. We really appreciate yes, please it. Please do. Spread the word uh, and keep your emails coming into Hello at PopKitchenpodcast.com because we love hearing them. So please like and subscribe to all of the channels, stop what you're doing, go and literally stop me driving pull over right yeah. now hard break hard break, break turn yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that would be most amazing. makes a huge difference please do it um thank you as ever for listening until next time see you Bye. next week